The word today comes from the book of Acts, chapter 9, starting with verse 1. Meanwhile, Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any who belonged to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now as he was going along and approaching Damascus, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? He asked, Who are you, Lord? The reply came, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But get up and enter the city, and you will be told what to do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless because they heard the voice but saw no one. Saul got up from the ground, and though his eyes were open, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. For three days he was without sight and neither ate nor drank. Now there was a disciple in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, he answered, Here I am, Lord. The Lord said to him, Get up and go to the street called Straight, and at the house of Judas, look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. At this moment he is praying, and he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints in Jerusalem, and here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who invoke your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is an instrument whom I have chosen to bring my name before Gentiles and kings and before the people of Israel. I myself will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias went and entered the house. He laid his hands on Saul and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on your way here, has sent me so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately, something like scales fell from his eyes, and his sight was restored. Then he got up and was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. This is God's word for God's people. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? Gracious and holy God, Lord, even as you've been speaking to us throughout this service, we ask now, as your word now has been read and as it is proclaimed, that you would continue to speak your words directly into our hearts and our spirits. Speak through my words or speak in spite of my words, but God, we await a word from you. And may the words of my mouth and may the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. So there were two men who met in Damascus. One was the famous and enthusiastic oppressor. The other, a person named only once, is part of the population that is the target of the oppressor in this instant, the oppressed. And this person willingly walked it right up to share the one who would be the oppressor, the good news of Jesus Christ that he has been called to share. It was an improbable meeting. 
one that only God could orchestrate. And today we're going to look at both of those two men and how their meeting changed the course of history and enabled the spread of the gospel, the good news. Saul, who's really better known to us by his Roman name of Paul, he's first introduced to us in Acts chapter 7 verse 58 as the young man who who watched the coats of all of those who stoned to death the first Christian martyr, Stephen, outside Jerusalem. And we're told in Scripture that Saul approved of the killing. I would go farther than that. I would say that 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 stoning of the first martyr was probably a spark for Saul to to begin to really live out his desire to purge um, the the area of these people. It sparked him, and in Acts chapter 8, verse 3, we're told, but Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off both men and women and put them in prison. Believers everywhere began to be persecuted and in fear of death. Now, we learn that Saul is from Tarsus. It's up in modern-day Turkey, 355 miles from Jerusalem, in case you wondered. That Saul was both a Roman citizen, um, and, and that gave him some rights that other Jewish people, clearly, and other people that were living in the empire did not have. And... He was a well-educated Jew. He was a member of the Pharisees, that, that sect of Judaism that zealously studied and then interpreted the law for the people. He was likely down in Jerusalem so far from his hometown of Tarsus because he had studied at the feet of the famous rabbi Gamaliel. He was full of self righteous zeal to destroy this movement that at this moment was only called the way. These people who were claiming to follow the crucified Jesus, who even claim that he has been resurrected from the dead and whose numbers are growing every day. And today's passage begins with Saul getting permission from the high priest to travel some 136 miles from Jerusalem up to Damascus. If he's walking, that's about a two-week journey. Arresting all along that way these followers of this new sect to bring them bound back down to Jerusalem to go to prison or maybe even to have the same fate as Stephen did. Saul was a man on a mission. He was educated. He was full of zeal for the Lord, and he had hundreds of years of the law on his side, and he had authority that had been granted to him by the highest level of the religious order. He was enthusiastically willing and able to stomp out those that he saw as dangerously perverting the religion of the day, absolutely sure that his was the right way, the only way. And yet what he found out was that he was actually fighting against God because God had a new plan in Jesus Christ. 
Here's a news flash. It's possible to be on the side of right and still be wrong. It is possible to be absolutely certain that the way that you see things and that what you value is true is wrong. It would behoove us to learn this lesson so that we may have some humility and openness to God to continue to reveal God's truth to us, God's plan to us. Else we might need to go through what Saul went through next. Knocked off his feet, blinded, and he heard the voice, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? What? Who are you? Saul asked. I am Jesus the one that you are persecuting. Get up, go to Damascus, and then I will let you know what is next. This one who had practiced sort of shock and awe, whose self-righteousness was as big as his ego, flat in the dirt in the road, blinded and led like a child by others, completely dependent on someone else to take him where he needed to go. And then in our scripture, the scene shifts to Ananias. He also hears his name called, but unlike Saul who asked, who are you? He responds, here I am, Lord. Because you see, he's a follower. He is a disciple of the risen Lord, and he is ready to hear him whenever he may call. Now, other than this particular scripture, Ananias is never again mentioned in scripture. You might say he just has this little bit part. He's no one in particular. And yet, he was called by God to change history through his intervention in the life of Saul. It was Saul that had the highest pedigree, the education, the authority, the zeal. He was a real go-getter. Ananias was simply present and available and willing to listen to Jesus and to exercise the great faith that it took to walk into what could be hostile circumstances simply because Jesus asked him to, and he was trusting. Now, we know from Ananias' response that he's heard of Saul the destroyer because he does clarify just a bit with the Lord. He asks, are, are you sure, Lord? <laughs> this man is our enemy. This man is an enemy of yours and of all who follow you. And yet Ananias was open enough to listen carefully to hear that God had plans for that man to be the very one who would take the gospel, the good news of life found in Jesus Christ to the Gentiles, to those completely outside the established faith, the nonbelievers. I love what N.T. Wright, biblical scholar, wrote about this passage. He said, The time has come for the message about the one true God, the Jewish good news of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to be told to the wider world, to the world of pagans, Gentiles, people who know nothing and could care less about this God. 
And the person to do this task, to spearhead the work of getting to the message to those who are outside the law, must be the one who most clearly, of all others in his generation, had been the most keen to stamp that message out. Nobody must be able to say that the people took the message to the Gentiles because they really weren't bothered about Israel and its traditions or because they didn't really understand how important the law itself was. No, when you want to reach the pagan world, the person to do it will be a hard-line, fanatical, ultra-nationalist, super-orthodox, pharisaic Jew. And they say that God doesn't have a sense of humor here. Ananias does what he's asked. He does go to see Saul, who, by the way, by this point, has heard from the Lord to expect a man, a visit from a man named Ananias, and he calls him Brother Saul. This man has become brother. And in that interchange, the calling of Saul brother the laying on of his hands on the one who came there to lay his hands on Ananias and all other followers and drag them away, the words of grace spoken in that moment, there was great healing that occurred. For Saul, physically, he was able to see for the relationship between the oppressor and the oppressed, for Paul, for Saul spiritually, because we are told he rose up and was baptized. And the man who was the greatest persecutor of the faith became the greatest missionary of all times. We all have a story. Your story may be as dramatic as Saul's, were knocked down by the very sheer power of the Lord, and the life that was going this way has changed and is now going another direction. Or it may be as seemingly small as Ananias, simply doing the next right thing in faith, and used by God to help in ways big and small, by simply saying yes. Both changed history. And we too change history with each decision that we make. Each step of faith or each refusal to take the next step of faith. God has plans for you and for me. And he may have plans that involve a, a huge, big mission in the world. Or he may have plans for you that involve you saying yes to simply walking up to someone who seems to be an enemy and proclaiming reconciliation in the name of Jesus. It may be offering grace to someone who does not deserve it point is, God has plans for you. God is calling your name. Are you listening? Will you respond? Will you be a witness? Let us pray.
Gracious and holy God, unstop our ears and help us to be ready to hear you calling our name. Help us to respond, here I am, Lord. And then help us to go and to be a witness in whatever way you ask us to be. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.